0: obviously under heavy-heavy Masonic influence.
1: (laughs)
2: hello and welcome to the revolutionary radio project i am your host rob skiba and for those of you watching on youtube uh, you can see that i'm wearing a face mask of course on the radio you can't tell that but if you're watching on youtube you can see i'm wearing a face mask and i'm not doing it because i'm afraid of covid 19. i'll tell you that right now Um, i'm wearing this cool mask because my wife made it and actually sheila and her sister wendy uh, started out making masks to help a local hospital out that uh they were needing masks so uh they got busy and started making them but actually it's really helped me quite a bit as i've been working out in the yard um this time this is the time of the year that i really have a lot of uh sinus problems allergies and whatnot and you know god forbid now if you sneeze in a public place uh, people go like back crap crazy insane <laughs> <laughs> like terrified you know you just spread the virus or something uh um and nowadays, a lot of different places, the, the local authorities are making you actually have to wear a mask out in public. So, uh, you know, my wife and her sister and our niece and my son even has been helping out. They started making a bunch of masks. In fact, uh, my, those of you who attended the Dallas conference uh, last year, uh, you know, she made a bunch of masks. Um, like totes and, and bags and stuff like that people really like them so she started doing a whole bunch of sewing in fact uh, I'm gonna put up a website you can check out she's doing it under the brand simply skiba so you can go to simplyskiba.com, check out her website um, she's still updating it and adding more products to it but she's got the masks up there now um, of course you know we're not allowed to say that they protect you from anything These, we're not medical professionals. There are no guarantees. This will protect you from any kind of virus or anything like that. Uh, In fact, the FDA would probably come after us if we made any other claim other than that these are fashion designer masks, so that's what we're calling them. Uh, So we'll go with that. But uh, she's got designs for men and women. You can kind of click through, check them out, different ones. Um, And, yeah, my my son's a Trump uh, supporter, so (laughs) they even have a – Trump MAGA mask that he designed. Actually, he, he created that diagram right there. Hey, they need masks too, right? So uh, yeah, you can check those out. Um, she has different sizes and stuff for men and for women. Uh, I'm wearing the, the male one, obviously. The smaller ones are for women. She's got one like this. And they, the smaller ones, they have like these uh, these little stretchy hoops things. And they're made really, they, they fit her head. But, you know, some people might have a bigger head or a bigger face. And the the way she made them, you can actually uh, cut the, the string if you need to and pull it out and put something else in there if you want to. And, like, the one I'm wearing right now, we put a shoelace through it. And I don't know if you can see this, but I didn't bother cutting the, the length of the shoelace because I thought, wow, of course I'm getting all tangled up in my mask here, I mean my uh, microphone, but the extra shoelace becomes a good hanger for my my glasses. <laughs> so you know I'm at the age now where, where are my glasses? They're on your head, stupid. So these are uh, hanging down with the extra. And I got a little uh, uh, one of those little clips that you can kind of like uh, push the button and pull it and tighten it so it fits nice and tight and real good. So yeah, if you guys happen to need, if you're afraid of the COVID-19 virus or if you have allergies like I do or if your local authorities are making you wear masks in public, well, We've got a whole bunch of them there for you to check out. She'll be adding more uh, as they go along. And, of course, uh, all this stuff helps our ministry and the things that we're trying to do. So, yeah, my wife, her sister, our niece, and my son have been very busy doing all that kind of stuff. And I've been out working in the yard and stuff like that and trying to get back on seed, keeping busy. What have you been up to these days, then?
3: Just working on a new book on the pre-Adamites. And so that's what I been focused on and then just uh doing radio broadcasts on the newest one which i believe i sent it to you so it should be coming along with the new calendar and some other i think i sent you the word of the lord to my uh, my son's newest book on the you know the how it was stripped out the word of the lord from the the pentateuch so um all that should be coming to you very soon
2: yeah no i actually got a a I think it was it was either today or yesterday. Got a whole package full of more Zen goodies. Got a bunch of books and uh, your new calendar. So, yeah, appreciate that, man. Thank you.
3: Yeah, no problem. You're welcome. And, yeah, so just promoting that and making people aware of that whole story because it, it's a fascinating tale. Um, you know, the whole thing of the, the Rod of Wonder and then the Garments of Power and how it led to even, like, the rise of Nimrod and the Tower of Babel and things of that nature, Joseph, uh, and even Moshe and the parting of the Red Sea, the war against the giants, uh, really fascinating story.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to digging into all this stuff, Man, I was like, oh man, this looks cool, this looks cool, this is cool. (laughs) So yeah, Um, let me see here, I forgot to set up uh, the browser for, do you remember where we left off?
3: 70 we did one chapter 72 that was on the the motions the movements of the sun yeah we just got
2: started on that right so it was 72 in the Charles and 71 in the Lawrence
3: yeah I think we made it pretty much through that whole chapter because we explained all the motions and the movements and how the Sun going through the six gates creates the the seasons yeah. So I think we're on the next chapter.
2: In fact, um let me pull that up on my uh YouTube channel. Um because we were kind of rushed to memory serves in the last uh half hour segment and you were going through all of that.
3: Mhm.
2: Um maybe we can just do a recap on that. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> um it, and uh, if you had the uh, do you have that graphic that you had with the the loops the, 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 yes. the gates and all that stuff?
3: Mm-hmm. So Yeah, let me... Yeah, I can, I
2: can screen work. share your um, Skype if you, if you do that.
3: We also created like a short... Well, I think you did, and then I reposted it after you did on um, the movement of the sun where we connected it to your stellarium, and then we also um, talked about in a previous show... How the book of Ecclesiastes in the Targum version describes the same motion of the Sun through these gates um, but according to what Enoch describes it um, I mean but Solomon describes it in the same way that Enoch does so I'll find that video and post a link to it as well
2: okay um... Because I did see some comments last week. People were like, I'm going to have to listen to this a few more times to get it. <laughs> uh, yeah,
3: well, actually, that video will show and explain it in greater detail. Okay. As this as well. So. But yeah, here's the. Oh, you got it. The image of the six gates. And just to explain it really quickly, the way that Enoch has the gates divided, it's. One is right above the Tropic of Capricorn, which you see the orange circle, that's the Tropic of Capricorn, the very outer circle. Then the second gate is in between the equator and the Tropic of Capricorn. The third gate touches the equator. And then the fourth gate is right above the equator moving towards the Tropic of Cancer. The fifth gate is in between the equator and the Tropic of Cancer and then the sixth gate touches the Tropic of Cancer and then anytime uh, you get to either the equator for the vernal equinox or the autumnal equinox or the Tropic of Cancer for the summer solstice or the Tropic of Capricorn for the winter solstice Enoch describes the motions of through that gate as 31 days because it takes it one day to either cross the equator or reaching the tropics to reverse course and move the other direction. But in that particular chapter that we went over, Enoch begins the description of his motions on the equator between the third and the fourth gates of heaven. And then he describes how it moves 91 days to the Tropic of Cancer, which is this yellow circle in the very inner part of this azimuthal equidistant projection map, and then it reverses course. This, of course, is the summer solstice, the longest day of the year, and the day is twice as long as the night. Then it reverses course, moves 91 days back towards the equator for the autumnal equinox, and then it moves into southern latitudes, and then, you know, the sun is on the outer circle, moving 91 days, from the equator to the Tropic of Cancer, uh, Capricorn or the winter solstice when that's the shortest day of the year and night is twice as long according to the way that Enoch breaks it down again. Uh, He describes each day in 18 portions which is 1.333 hours of daylight or sunlight. And so, and then it takes 91 days for the sun to move back towards the center and then reaching the equator for the vernal equinox, that begins a new year. And so the new year does begin on the vernal equinox. As far as the summer, the solar calendar, which is 364 days long. And then in the next portion, when he goes into the lesser luminary, uh, Enoch gives us a 354-day lunar calendar and explains that. And then he tells us that you know the, the moon is what sets the beginnings of the months and the and so we see how this calendar um, it unfolds and then he describes at the very end of these two calendar systems how they intercalate which is how they come together to form uh, what I believe is the Enochian lunar solar calendar. Then he also adds, on top of that, the motions of the planets and then the motions of the constellations, which is a 25,000, what's called the great year. Um, And then that is the heavenly calendar. So it's the moon, the sun, the planets, and the constellations that make up what is the heavenly clockwork system
2: very good. And you have uh hang on a second. <clears throat> You've g- explained this all in tremendous detail in your oh, yeah, Enoch as keys to the de- or flat earth as yeah, key to the flat decrypt- earth, is, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. the the book of Enoch. Um let me I still that got that up on the screen here. Let me see if I can find the um, chapters here. 72 I think in Charles right that's where we that's where I left off 73 for you
3: mm-hmm 73 for me
2: yeah okay stand by I'm trying to do way too many things here at once right <laughs> alright so that was Course of Heaven and chapter 72 And 73, here we go. And whoops, let me move that out of the way. And after this law, I saw another law dealing with the smaller luminary, which is named the moon. And her circumference is like the circumference of the heaven, and her chariot in which she rides is driven by the wind, and light is given to her in definite measure and her rising and setting change every month and her days are like the days of the sun and when her light is uniform i.e. full it amounts to the seventh part of the light of the sun and thus she rises and her first phase in the east comes forth in the thirtieth morning and on that day she becomes visible and constitutes for you the first phase of the moon on the thirtieth day after together with the Sun in the portal where the Sun rises and one half of her goes forth by a seventh part and her whole circumference is empty without light with the exception of one seventh part of it and the 14th part of her is light and when she receives one seventh part of the half of her light her light amounts to one seventh part and the half thereof and she sets with the Sun and when the Sun rises the moon rises with him and receives the half of one part of light, and in that night, in the beginning of her morning, in the commencement of, her, uh, of the lunar day, the moon sets with the sun and is invisible that night with the 14 parts and the half of one of them. And she rises on that day with exactly a seventh part and comes forth and recedes from the rising of the sun, and in her remaining days she becomes bright in the remaining 13 parts."
3: Okay. I'm
2: going to put my graphic back up on the screen while you're talking.
3: Yep, and I did find that um, video, so after I read this, I'll post it for people. Okay. And after this law, I saw another law dealing with the smaller luminary, which is named the moon, and her circumference is like the circumference of the heaven and her chariot in which she rides is driven by the wind, and light is given to her in definite measure, and her rising and setting change every month, and her days are like the days of the sun, and when her light is uniform, full, it amounts to the seventh part of the light of the sun, and thus she rises. And her first phase in the east comes forth on the 30th morning and on that day she becomes visible and constitutes for you the first phase of the moon on the 30th day together with the sun in the portal where the sun rises and the one half of her goes forth by a seventh part and her whole circumference is empty without light with the exception of one seventh part of it and the 14th part of her light. And when she receives one-seventh part of the half of her light, her light amounts to one-seventh part and the half thereof. And she sets with the sun. And when the sun rises, the moon rises with him and receives the half of one part of light. And in that night, in the beginning of her morning, in the commencement of the lunar day, The moon sets with the sun and is invisible that night with the 14 parts and the half of one of them and she rises on that day with exactly a seventh part and comes forth and recedes from the rising of the sun and in her remaining days she becomes bright in the remaining 13 parts.
2: Um... I think I was looking at the wrong chapter while you were reading. Let me see. Oh, yeah, okay. I was looking at the next chapter. So, um, yeah, what are your thoughts on, on what's going on with the moon here?
3: Uh, well, Enoch is describing how the moon changes phases and how it goes from being completely void of light, which that's the 30th day, what is called translation day, And then the beginning of the month, which I think he covers in the next part, is when, as he describes it here at the very end, because the moon is invisible, completely void of light, when it is moving in lunar conjunction with the sun, which means it rises, crosses the sky, and then sets with the sun. And then the very next day, because it lags about 50 minutes behind the sun, every day, it will become full with this 1 portion of light. And that's how the moon moves through its phases is by one-seventh portion. So each night, um, once it becomes a waxing crescent, which is the, he'll tell us the very beginning of the month, that that is the first day on the lunar calendar. And then it takes it 15 days to become full which is why, you know, the 15th on the lunar calendar is equated with the full moon. And then it it occurs, the full moon occurs, but then it begins to wane on that same day. And so then it takes it uh, either 14 days or 15 days, depending on if it's a 29-day lunar month or a 30-day lunar month, which it alternates, and, and then every once in a while you have Back-to-back 30-day lunar months, uh, because of the average synodic month, it takes at 29.541 days um, to to um, change uh, its its average phases to go through all four phases, uh, and so the different phases are aligned to the seventh portion, and that's why it takes. Six, seven days to go to first quarter and then another seven to go to full and another seven to go to third quarter and then another seven or uh, eight, um, depending uh, on the translation day um, to lunar conjunctive and then back uh, where it becomes visible again. And so he's telling us exactly how the moon gains her light by one seventh portion. And then, um, You know, moves from becoming completely void of light to becoming full, which is the full moon, and then disappearing uh, all the way to becoming void of light again.
2: So on the screen, I'm showing people that are watching on YouTube, I've got a video that I did uh, May 25th, 2015, how the moon could be self-lighting. And I just created a, a, a ball that had half white and half black on it and rotated the ball and Mm -hmm. then um, uh, put the surface of the moon uh, on top of it. So you see it from on the inside. It's lighting from the inside. And it was interesting because, you know, the scriptures say that the moon gives her light. Um, You know, Enoch talks about receiving it, but also talks about giving it. And so the question is, is the moon a reflector? Is it a reflective rock or... Uh, is it somehow getting energy or something from the sun and then giving it? And I think we talked about it last week or at some, one of the shows we did sometime recently, um, that Bob and Cami Nodell, Kami, uh, sh- she's trained like, like a gemologist, you know, to, uh-huh. w- with stones and whatnot. And uh, I think she's, I think it's called C- Celestine. Or celestite, something I think it's Celestine, something like that. Uh, is a specific type of rock that it, um it, it's like the glow in the dark watches we used to get, you know, when you open up the cereal box, you get the prize, right? You get the little yeah, uh-huh. get the little, you know, spy watch or whatever, and you know, hold it up to the light for a while and and then you turn the lights off and, and it gives its own light. So in the sense it's receiving the the energy or photons or whatever, and then it's giving it. Um, right. And she also said that that particular type of rock, uh, when it gets wet, it pits into craters, uh, which is really interesting mm, to me because, you know, if you look at the, and I've spent a lot of time, especially as a kid, uh, I had a 300-power a telescope and spent a lot of time out in my parents' front yard looking at the moon and pretty much everything else out there that I could train the telescope in the sky, you know, to look at. Um, and all the craters... Apparently, you know, if you believe that the craters are there from meteors, every single meteor hit the moon at a ninety-degree angle.
3: Right, right. <laughs> really? Like it
2: makes no sense. It makes more sense yeah. to me that they are either volcanic craters, like we might see, like in some place uh, such as Hawaii. You know, if you look at the aerial view of Hawaii and you see some of the the craters that are there, those are from volcanoes. Right. Or that they could be, you know, if this if the moon is made of that particular type of rock, um, that it would pit with water, and you know why that's significant to me is, well, I mean the the windows of heaven opened above it, and the water came down and filled the enclosure, that is the the dome enclosed world of of the book of Enoch, and and the Bible as well, which and the fountains of the great deep shot up first, so, you know it's theoretical, you know theoretically possible then that the moon was hit by that water and if it is that type of rock that that would explain the pitting Any, anyway I find it uh, really interesting and while I was contemplating these things and I was reading books like Zetetic Astronomy and uh, Terra Firma okay. I was in the pool at my apartment complex and it was one of those days when the sun and moon were up at the same time and I'm, it was like a half moon and you know I'm an artist I know about you know perspective and you know, things like that, right? And, like, if anybody, you know, this is not rocket science. Like, if you've, if you've got a ball, like, you know, form your fist into a ball in your left hand and pretend your right hand is the light source, wherever you put your your light source, the Terminator line is going to be directly parallel to that light source, right? But the problem was the, the, the Terminator line of the, uh, the shadow on the moon was off by you know, close to 40 degrees. Like I could see the sun and I could see the moon and the shadow on the moon was not right. reflecting the angle that it should be if mm-hmm. it was actually, you know, reflecting, reflecting. light from, from the yes. sun. And that's when I first started questioning, I'm like what is happening here? Mm-hmm. You know, and right. I started looking up, you know, what is the scientific explanation for that? And man, if you look into that, that really seemed like a massive tap dance routine. You know, listen to people try to explain that. So,
3: yeah, absolutely. So,
2: yeah, so let me see how much time we have left. Uh, we, oh, we'll get about a minute before we go a break, I guess. So, um, you know, maybe when we come back from the break, you can uh, give your thoughts uh, as to, you know, how is the moon giving her light? Uh, and, yeah, and, absolutely. And what is Enoch talking about when it says that this, it takes a part of the light from the sun, like the sun's like
3: giving it? Right.
2: And, right. uh, Have you looked into the Thunderbolts Project at all?
3: No, I have not, but you did mention that, and I really need to. I just have not yet. I keep forgetting to do that after we mention it.
2: Well, it's not like you don't have anything else to do. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) right. Uh, But, yeah, you should definitely check into it, and anybody listening to this broadcast right now, they could go on YouTube and look up Thunderbolts Project. Now, these people don't believe the – they they believe the Earth's a globe, but they don't believe the standard model of cosmology – they believe in the uh, el- electrical universe. Right. So, uh, you know, it's all about electromagnetism and plasma and things of that nature as opposed to the uh, uh, Newton Einstein ga- gravity model. All right, we'll talk some more when we come back all right. from the break.
0: It's amazing how people have been raving about Aya Life all over Facebook. They've been posting their testimonials just because they wanna get the word out because it's worked so well for them. If you're not familiar with Aya Life, it's a 99% pure CBD oil, but the secret is the synergy between the hemp and the ayahuasca
1: vine, the non-psychoactive component of the ayahuasca tea. We recently received an email from a wife whose husband has Parkinson's. For the first time, he's been able to sleep through the entire night. Another customer reported that they're no longer using NSAIDs because their tennis elbow has been relieved with IALIFE. The reports have been phenomenal and much more than we ever expected. Everyone should have access to this.
0: That's why if you head on over to IALIFE.com right now and use coupon code TFR, we'll give you $5 towards your order. And we'll even ship it worldwide. That's
3: IALIFE.com. A-Y-A-LIFE.com.
0: This, this, this is iHeartRadio 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 makes you want to move When you have a great melody, a song blessed. forever, ever, instantly connected I love it when the beat goes Did you know you can listen to Truth Frequency Radio on iHeartRadio Just download the app to your smart car, smartphone, or smart TV and get the best of TFR wherever you are iHeartRadio I'll see you there
1: Fear is the monster. Fear is the little death. This is Uncle Walt from the Ironworks. Josh, Corey, and I have chosen to look at life with no fear. No fear of the unknown. No fear of questions about the supposedly well-known. No fear of ridicule for thinking outside the familiar fool's lines. No fear of the boot on the neck of those refusing the party line. No fear of taking on those so convinced of their beliefs who are the can believe they've been fools made. In this world filled with me meat, too, cattle sink, can Truth's protective layers be peeled back to show the tender, juicy pink? Are we all just grist for the mill, Sold, sold against our will, or is that just how it feels, how it feels? So when you're going to the rim, TV the is so clear, filled and grim, Break clear of the fear, right here. Tuesdays and Fridays at 2 a.m. on PFR. Josh and I and you will hammer out the impurities of technology-driven groupthink, fold in a dash of logic, and point it with a bit of a play. The Ironworks, break clear of the fear.
0: We are TFR. My faith destiny is all I need to prevail. Truth Frequency Radio.
2: Back on the Revolutionary Radio Project, I'm your host Rob Skiba, and right before the break, we were talking about the phases of the moon and how all that works, um, at least according to the Book of Enoch. There's another video uh, that you might want to check out as far as the moon goes. Uh, my website, there was uh, excuse me, on my YouTube channel, uh, published January 19, 2016. It was called "Many Moon Questions" about uh, 13 minutes long, and it in- includes video that I shot uh, of the of the moon in uh, when the sun's shining where you know the terminator line where it should be, and then showing that it's between 30 and 40 degrees off. And uh, I think this video also talked about the um, one of the blood moon lunar eclipses that was you know, real big around that time. Um, uh, <clears throat> I was on the roof of my uh, parking garage at the office that I was uh, officing out of at that time and it, you know it, it, the sun had gone down behind me uh, in the west and the moon was popping up in the east and the moon popped up I want to say it's like 20 minutes after the sun went down and like 20 minutes later it was going into a full bl- blood red moon lunar eclipse and now if you can envision this like imagine your head is the Earth. Because in the standard model, the eclipse occurs when the sun and the Earth and the moon are all in a perfect line. And, you know, the sun's shining on the Earth, and you got the umbra and the penumbra shadow of the Earth, and that uh, casts a shadow supposedly on the moon, creating the lunar eclipse. Well, okay, so if you imagine your head as the moon, or excuse me, as the Earth, and if the sun goes down directly behind you, and the sun is the light source, what direction should the shadow of your head be on the orb that is the moon in front of you? It should be coming up from below, right? If the sun goes down behind you, as the sun's going down, the way that perspective should work is that the shadow that my head in this case, or the earth in this case, should be casting on the moon, should be coming from the bottom up. But it didn't. It came from about the 10 o'clock position at the top down. <laughs> and I'm and I I'm, I'm documenting I'm looking, I'm like, what? <laughs> like, you know, and this time this is of course, January two thousand sixteen. Yeah, I was still not committing at this time. Uh, really? I, I didn't finally fully commit to that whole cosmology until later that year after Rick and I got back from the Lake Michigan uh trip, which was June of two thousand sixteen. So, you know, I was about eight months into the research maybe something like that uh, by this time and I was calling myself a synthetic agnostic uh, as it pertained to this subject and like the more I looked around me the more questions I had I'm like okay Uh the the angle's not right the eclipse isn't happening the way it should I mean I mean (laughs) (laughs) what is happening you know so you know again looking at the Bible the moon gives her light and looking at the book of Enoch you know gives added details so uh, yeah what's your take on all of that
3: Uh, I do believe that the moon is a transformer in some way Mm. and that with the account of Enoch describing how the sun does give her her light, we know that uh, she's not reflecting that light and that the properties of her light are completely different than that of the sun's. And so it has to mean that if she is in fact, receiving light from the sun in some manner that there has to be some transformation going, uh, going on in order for her to then completely alter and change that light and transform it into new property. Uh, and that, you know, the moon's rays are cooling. In fact, as you've tested with a temperature mm. uh, gauge. And so, um, that, in my opinion, is what Enoch is describing. That perhaps, in some manner, like that, you know, the celestine, uh, the glowing dark, you know, that stuff, um, that receiving the light, it transforms it, transmutates it, and makes it its own in some manner.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, I'm playing the without the audio. I'm just playing the video in the background here. It shows my body casting a shadow, showing where the sun is behind me, and then I'm gonna look up into the sky and see the the moon and the terminator line. It just it's not gonna make any sense. So there's the moon with the terminator line kind of at an f- angle, uh, headed up to like the 10 o'clock position, and then I'm gonna show you. Okay, like. I got it so it's perpendicular. The The light source should be right to the right side of the moon, but it's not. It's like way down because the sun was setting at this point and the moon's like way up in the sky. The sun's way down to the lower right. So that didn't make any sense. So um, when I went to uh, the Griffith Observatory in Hollywood, I... Uh, you know that's in a lot of movies and stuff like that and when you go in there the first thing you're confronted with is a a Foucault pendulum and Mm -hmm. that's like in the center of this uh, dome ceiling where they have all these pagan gods painted on it so you got it's it's overt paganism uh, with the Foucault pendulum and while so I got there just as they're starting the tour and the tour guide in the process of explaining how the Foucault pendulum supposedly work she says uh, but the thing, you know, stops. So we have an electromagnetic motor up there that keeps it mm-hmm. moving, and it, she just went on talking, you know, like she didn't even realize what she just said. Right. <laughs> I'm going, wait a minute. The Foucault pendulum is supposed to be working because the Earth's allegedly rotating. You're telling me that there's an electromagnetic motor up there that's making it do its thing, and then uh, l- later uh, Matt Long confirmed it. He uh, actually has installed those electric e- electromagnetic motors before so he confirmed he's like oh yeah you know we so that whole thing's a smoke-and-mirror you know, fraud in fact if you do research on the Foucault pendulum you'll see that uh, even in in the day when it, when Foucault first did it there were people contesting it they're like you know it, it what happens with the Foucault pendulum is is uh heavily dependent on first of all how you start the thing moving and so it's a gimbal so depending on how you launch it the gimbal is gonna do what it does you know, mm-hmm. and he said sometimes the thing went backwards. <laughs> sometimes it, you know, went in completely different directions than what it's supposed to do. And apparently, um, I think it's solar eclipses have some kind of strange effect that, that screws up focal pendulums. <laughs> like, what would that have to do with anything? Mm-hmm, right. You know, why would a, you know, if the if the sun's allegedly 93 million miles away and and the moon's you know a quarter of a million miles away, why would a, a, a the moon going in front of the sun have any effect whatsoever on a focal pendulum. If the right. focal pendulum is a, allegedly there to show how the earth's rotating. So, you know, like your head starts spinning. You're like, well, how do we even believe any of this stuff, you know? Right. Right. So mm-hmm. then, but they had some other pretty cool, Oh, actually the video this right now is the, uh, that I'm showing, uh, is this older guy. I was doing a Nephilim conference in, um, Lubbock and he's the guy, he's showing me the a thermometer, Thing that you, you that yes. people use to test, uh, like air conditioning or whatever. Right. You know that you point it and the laser beam hits whatever and it tells you what the temperature is. And he was showing how. I mean, it's so bizarre that the moon is giving cold light. Like mm-hmm. in in the bright light of the moon when he shines it like on the parking lot. Uh, it, it's actually uh, uh, was it uh, colder? Uh, so in in the sunlight. It's warmer in the sunlight and cooler in the shade. It's the exact opposite. Right. It's colder exactly. in the direct moonlight and warmer in the shade. <laughs> and I'm like, it is between like 10 and 20 degrees sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? So uh, anyway, getting back to Griffith Observatory, they have all these uh, exhibits and, you know, most of them are pretty good. They're science exhibits explaining how stuff works. And so, you know, they got little miniatures that, that describe how certain, you know, the physics work and, you know, for different things. And so I go to the exhibit for uh, how the phases of the moon work. Now, mm-hmm. we're told that the phases of the moon are caused by the angle at which the moon is going around the Earth and, and how the sun is hitting it because they say it's a reflector, right? right? So mm-hmm. you would think that you would have a, a tidal-locked ball Rotating and orbiting at such a speed such that it always has the face towards the Earth, right? Uh, so, Because the moon also rotates like the Earth rotates. It's just, according to that model, it just happens to be right. in sync so that we always see the same phase of the moon as it's going around us. So you would think that you would have a model of a rotating Earth with a rotating moon that is orbiting in in such a way that it's locked so that the face is always pointing toward the Earth with a light source uh, being the sun to show how The faces of the moon work. Is that what they had? No, they had a self-illuminating ball (laughs) going around in a circle overhead. I'm I'm going, wow! Like, and I'm like, you know, if these guys can figure out how to do that, I'm going to go out on a limb here and just suggest maybe the creator of the cosmos (laughs) just might have an idea of how to do the same thing. Absolutely, have a self-illuminating ball.
3: I'm sure they couldn't figure out how to make it work. Uh, in the other manner, uh, yeah, probably, are,
2: uh, or at least, yeah. I mean, because so many other displays that they had were really good, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, w- obviously they're they're not stupid people, you know. They right. they they, they would have had smart enough people that they could have engineered that as a hands-on display for you to check out. But you know, if you live out in California, go to the Griffith Observatory and check it out for yourself. Cause I'm like, wow, well, maybe they're just telling the truth. It's a self-illuminating orb.
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know the way that science um the way that the you know the Earth is spinning, or supposedly the way that they have it spinning um is that it's rotating eastward well, that actually, if you watch the way that the moon changes phases is completely opposite to what they tell us the motion of the moon is. Um, Because they have it going counterclockwise uh, (laughs) when it actually moves clockwise in the heavens when you're looking down. Um, Yeah, when you're looking down from above. Yeah, when you're looking down from above, but when you're looking up. And and so they've got it completely backwards. And anybody that looks at the way that the moon works and the way that it creates its phases, because it will become a waxing crescent in the western skies and then when it's first quarter moon, it will be in our northern skies, and then uh, when it's full moon, it will be in our western skies and rise when the sun sets, mm-hmm. and then afterwards, um, in third quarter, it will rise six hours after, and in that's in southern skies, so it's moving, you know, in the opposite direction as what they tell us, that it's moving in synchronous orbit with the Earth, which is spinning eastward.
2: Yeah. Uh, that uh, the that last big lunar eclipse that we had that was 70 miles across right, uh, yeah. went the opposite. Solar eclipse, uh, uh, solar eclipse yeah. yeah. Um, uh, solar eclipse showing the shadow of the moon, mm-hmm. in this case, on the Earth. Right. Uh, was only 70 miles across, and I'm, I'm asking people, like, okay, wait a minute. Since when does an object cast a shadow that's smaller than itself?
3: Smaller itself, exactly, like, yeah. Just
2: go shine a light on something, and you're going to see the shadow is, you know, depending on the distance. Increase, right, yeah, it's, yeah. Depending on the distance the object is from whatever it's casting a shadow on, it's either going to be the same size or bigger. And so we have a 70-mile-across uh, dot going the wrong way. Across the United States, yeah, <laughs> like yes. it was like, oh, totally the wrong way, and actually, I, I just uh, did a, uh, I, I froze the video uh, of the the Four Seasons, and even in the spot that I just froze it in is a Half Moon, the Terminator line is wrong, even on Stellarium,
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, you know, so if, if if you if you're able to see this on on the video, people are watching yeah, it on YouTube, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at, this. yeah, so if this is the light source. Shining on that, the term- terminator line should be this way. It should be perfectly right, horizontal, right. but it's not. It's like forty-five degree angle. So even Stellarium shows you that it's not receiving light the way we are told it does as a reflector.
3: Right, right.
2: <laughs> even in Stellarium.
3: Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, because uh, the only way that it works is for it to be self-illuminating, and as Enoch describes it here. It changes by one seventh portion, you know, going from um, being completely void of light, which is the lunar conjunctive, uh, then to uh, being full of light and then waning again, becoming a gibbous moon and then having its light disappear in one seventh portion.
2: Yeah. This is crazy. I'm just looking at this thing, boggling. You know, it boggles my mind because the light source should be. Way out here, going this way, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, 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 you, you told me this before, and you probably mentioned it on our on our shows before. But are you, you're a sighted moon guy too, right? As far as the beginning of the yes.
3: month. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so, the waxing crescent. Like tonight is the lunar conjunctive moon, and it's the f- fourth uh, Sabbath of the lunar month, and then tomorrow is. Rosh Kadesh for the month of Iyar should be um, and people should be able to see the waxing crescent in the western skies um, you know right after the sun sunset.
2: Okay yeah I was a conjunction guy for a long time and then we had this guy come and speak at our home bible fellowship and this was like his thing you know everybody's got their thing right right and right. his thing was trying to figure out the you know the calendar and the moon and stuff like that for like 30 years this was like this guy's thing and you know I was the yabut yeah, guy you know because I you know uh-huh. I, at that time I firmly believed the conjunction and uh, and I yabbited that guy for like 3 hours and <laughs> he, he had an answer a biblical answer at that for every one of my yabuts and finally you know he just he strong-armed me. until the point where I was like, "Okay, Uncle, I give." Okay, I'm, you know, I just switched <laughs> over. You know, it makes a whole lot more sense now.
3: Yes, and uh, in actually, the next portion, very soon, that we read um, Enoch, uh, he'll go into how the waxing crescent is the beginning of the month. So, okay, uh, which
2: we got probably a few minutes here. Let me see what the time is. Yeah, we got ten minutes. All right. Um, so let me do the next chapter in the lawrence translation chapter 74 in the lawrence and i saw another course a law for her and how according to that law she performs her monthly revolution and all these Uriel, the holy angel who is the leader of them all showed to me and their positions, and I wrote down their positions as he showed them to me, and I wrote down their months, as they were, and the appearance of their life. I lights. think that's
3: the Charles, just so you know. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's I Charles. think you're reading the Charles. do Yep. <laughs> uh,
2: okay, this is Lawrence. Oh, uh, Okay, well, um...
3: 73, I think.
2: Yeah, I gotta find, uh... I gotta get back on the... Find the... Index page. I'm going through all the chapters here, and trying to find it.
3: Yeah, no worries.
2: And Lawrence, uh, sorry about that, guys.
3: You're all good. Um,
2: shoot, I can't find it, all of a sudden.
3: You want well, me to read first? Yeah. Okay. Um, Seventy-four, R.H. Charles, and I saw another course of law for her, and how. According to that law, she performs her monthly revolution. And all these Uriel, the holy angel, who is the leader of them all, showed to me and their positions, and I wrote down their positions as he showed them to me. And I wrote down their months, as they were, and the appearance of their lights, till fifteen days were accomplished. In single seventh parts, she accomplishes all her light, in the east, and in single seventh parts, accomplishes all her darkness in the West, and in certain months she alters her setting, and in certain months she pursues her own peculiar course. In two months the moon sets with the sun. In those two middle portals, the third and the fourth, she goes forth for seven days and turns about and returns again through the portal where the sun rises and accomplishes all her light. And she recedes from the sun and in 8 days enters the 6th portal from which the sun goes forth. And when the sun goes forth from the 4th portal she goes forth 7 days until she goes for the 5th and turns back again in 7 days into the 4th portal and accomplishes all her light. And she recedes and enters into the first portal in 8 days and she returns again in 7 days into the 4th portal from which the sun goes forth. Thus I saw their position, how the moons rose and the sun set in those days. And if five years are added together, the sun has an overplus of 30 days and all the days which accrue to it for one of those five years, when they are full, amount to 364 days. And the overplus of the sun and of the stars amounts to six days in five years, six days every year, come to 30 days, and the moon falls behind the sun and stars to the number of 30 days. And the sun and the stars bring in all the years exactly so that they do not advance or delay their position by a single day unto eternity, but complete the years with perfect justice in 364 days. In three years there are 1092 days, and in five years, 1,820 days, so that in eight years, there are 2,912 days. For the moon alone, the, fift- the days amount in three years to 1,062 days, and in five years, she falls 50 days behind, i.e., to the sum of 1,770. There is five to be added, 1,062 days, and in five years, there are one thousand seventy seventy. 1,770 days, so that for the moon the days six and eight years amount to 21,832 days. For in eight years she falls behind to the amount of 80 days. All the seventy days she falls behind in eight years are 80, and the year is accurately completed in conformity with their world stations and the stations of the Sun which rise from the portals. Through which it the sun rises and sets, thirty days.
2: Wow, um, yeah, I found it in the Lawrence. Um, and I don't have time to read it before the break, so maybe you can just go ahead and comment on that. Um, that's, yeah, a lo- just, lot of numbers and interesting stuff going on there.
3: Yeah, what what it is telling us, and and this is why I know that uh, Enoch is describing both a lunar and a solar calendar, because he tells us here how you intercalate them. Mm -hmm. And what he's describing is the 10 days that the moon falls short, is that a lunar year is 354 days. It alternates between 29 and 30 days. And when you have six times 29, uh, and then six times uh, 30, you get 354 days. And so the way that the lunar calendar works, according to Enoch in the alternating 29 and 30 days, is that a lunar year adds up to the uh, 354 days and the solar year, because it takes 30 days to move through each of the six gates of heaven, and then back, which is 12 times 30, 360. And then you have the four solstices and equinoxes to have 364 days, and so the solar year is 10 days longer than the lunar year, and all of these divisions that he's speaking about, well, he tells you first the 364-day year minus the um, vernal equinoxes and the solstices, which is why it says that the, the sun and the stars are six days in advance. And so that's um, correct as long as you subtract the equinoxes and the solstices. And when we actually come back from break, I'll read what I wrote in my book that describes all these numbers to help people explain it. But he's basically telling you how to uh, calculate and intercalate the two calendars together and why um, what these numbers actually mean, which is just showing us that the, you know, the moon, is, the lunar calendar is 10 days short of the 364 days. And this is why every third year or so, uh, depending on the uh, metatonic cycle, you add a 13th month because you have 30 days um, where the, the moon is lagging uh, from the sun. And so every third year or so, you just add another month, the 13th month which is Adar 2, and then you have the two calendars back in sync together.
2: Hmm. I've really struggled with that 13th month thing uh, because there's a number of scriptures that, that would seem to indicate there, you know, like trees and stuff, you know, talking about, uh, I don't remember the whole argument, you know, articulately enough to describe it here, but uh, I remember looking at a bunch of stuff, Uh, that would seem to refute the 13th month thing, but you're saying that's the only way it works with the Enoch. uh,
3: Right. Yeah. That's the only way you can intercalate the months. Yeah. Because again, you have to have the barley in um, as far as it has to be ripe in order for you to have the, uh, the first fruits, the celebration of first fruits Mm -hmm. where the high priest waves the barley um, to for the sins of Israel, and then to begin the new crop, you know, where they offer the, the, the new crop to the Most High first, and to the Levite priests, and then they actually begin to eat the new crop. And so, unless it's in season, you can't have um, Passover and the celebration of Passover, especially the, the Feast of, you know, First Fruits.
2: That's interesting. There,
3: somebody and so that's yeah. That's why you have to add a thirteenth month every once in a while.
2: I'm gonna have to look into it more. It's one of those things that I kept putting off. <laughs> like uh, yeah. Well, uh,
3: you got so much to do, brother. I mean, <laughs>
2: somebody sent me. I don't. I'm trying to think if it was a text message. Maybe I'll try to see if I can find it during the break. Did you get a message or an email from somebody that that saw something in the Book of Jubilees that specifically tells us why? The calendar is going to be jacked up because of uh, disobedience. Yeah,
3: it's chapter six. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, good. Did you, so did you get that email recently, or did you, or was no, it text message?
3: No, but I have that in my book. So no, I, did, I didn't get that, but I know what you're talking about.
2: Yeah, I'll see if I can find it during the break. Otherwise, it'd be interesting if you it's did, so. maybe it's talk most about. most
3: of chapter six. In most in of chapter place. six. Okay,
2: yeah. well, we'll go to a break. We'll talk about that when we Come back.
3: All right.
1: years old. I'm one of the millions of children born to parents suffering from the Sheeple virus. Symptoms include the inability to think for oneself, the attention span of a goldfish, and a strong belief in government and the mainstream media. It is estimated that one out of
2: every two children are being raised my parents infected with the sheeple virus
1: but there is a cure for as little as 19 cents per day you can become become a tfr supporter and help children like me get their daily dose of truth together we will make sure every child has protection
0: from deception for his plan to open up his state's economy. President Trump said he differs with Georgia Governor Brian Kemp's decision to allow businesses like barbershops and nail salons to reopen a day after he praised him during the White House briefing.
1: I told the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, that I disagree strongly with his decision to open certain facilities which are in violation of the phase
0: one guidelines the president said it's just too soon to open up Georgia's spas beauty salons tattoo parlors and barber shops Kemp said those facilities can reopen this Friday with what he called minimum basic operations. At the White House, John Decker, Fox News. Oklahoma will also allow some businesses to open Friday, including hair and nail salons and barber shops, as well as pet groomers. South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster has allowed some non-essential businesses like flea markets, department stores, and boutiques to reopen. People will be allowed access to beaches. California's governor says he needs more testing before he can make 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 any decisions on reopening. California Governor Gavin Newsom says the state is testing 16,000 people a day for the virus and he wants to test a minimum of 60,000 a day. So they surveyed hundreds of testing sites to find out what they need and aside from transportation kits they need swabs. Uh, The president uh, secured and gave me the confidence that we will receive just this week a minimum of 100,000 swabs. With more on the way after that, Newsom said they're also working to retrain local government workers to become contact tracers to help them identify and test those who've come into contact with those who are sick in order to encourage them to self-isolate. Jessica Rosenthal,
1: Fox News. America is listening to Fox News. You must unite what is
0: in citizen we are tFr truth frequency radio <laughs>
2: We're back on the Revolutionary Radio Project. I'm your host Rob Skiba for the second hour of the broadcast. I'm talking with my guest and co-host Zen Garcia. And uh, right before the break, we were talking about something in the Book of Jubilees, I believe chapter six, that talks about due to uh, disobedience, the camera, the uh, calendar was going to be jacked up. And man, I was desperately searching. I get so much stuff, man, sent to me all the time <laughs> that it, stuff just gets buried. Um, but what was interesting to me was it, it, this guy, whoever, man, I wish I could find it. His revelation was whatever the math came out to, it was 2,730 years, which just so happens to perfectly fit the um, the punishment. Uh, you know, Leviticus, uh, what is it, uh, 18 or 26, I think it's 26, talks about if you, uh, you know, if God chastises you and you don't learn your lesson, you get seven times the judgment. And when you realize it was Ezekiel chapter 4, I believe, uh, it talks about the Northern Kingdom's judgment. Yeah. It was supposed Mm -hmm. to be 390, I think it was 390 years. Um, And they didn't repent, so they got seven times the judgment, and it comes out to 2,730 years. So, you know, I've been talking about that in reference to the Ephraim Awakening, but this guy sent me an email. It was either an email or text. I I don't remember. Uh, But he was... He it had something to do with that chapter in Jubilees, so maybe you can read it, and the judgment. And however he did the math out, it came up to twenty-seven hundred and thirty. So he's like, could that be? Why you know everybody's starting to try to figure out the calendar and everything. Uh, I don't know. What's your take
3: on it? Hmm. Well, that is interesting. I, I did not get what you are talking about with this particular individual, but whoever he is, but please do send that to me too because I would be interested in, in checking it out. Yeah, uh, If, if to, you happen to be you know, listening
2: out there, please send it again, because I, you know, I got a bazillion text messages and about a billion uh, <laughs> emails, and stuff just gets buried. So, Right. I, I, I remember looking at it and going, oh, that's cool, but <laughs> it's been buried.
3: Yeah, I have that problem as well, but um, I do believe that this particular passage is speaking about how the calendar will get changed and how the Sabbaths will, um, become confused as well as that, you know, the children of Israel will start to do blood sacrifice and worship idols. And so, um, let me find exactly where to start. Cause it's a, a long one, but, um, Chapter yeah. So do you want me to? Yeah, do you want me to read this? Because you know, it. I think it begins like halfway through, like the fourteenth. Yeah, um, sure. Whatever
2: you. Whatever you think.
3: Uh, okay, I'll just start from verse fourteen. And for this law, there is no limit of days, for it is forever. They shall observe it. Oh, actually, I should start one up, because I think it mentions the the calendar. And this testimony is written concerning you that you should observe it continually so that you should not eat on any day any blood of beasts or birds or cattle during all the days of the earth. And the man who eats the blood of beasts or cattle or birds during all the days of the earth, he and his seed shall be rooted out of the land. And do thou command the children of Israel to eat no blood so that their names and their seed may be before the Lord? continually and for this law there is no limit of days for it is forever they shall observe it through their generation so that they may continue supplicating on your behalf with um, throughout their generations so that they may. Oh, con- uh, messed up supplicating on your behalf with blood before the altar every day and at the time of morning and evening they shall seek forgiveness on your behalf perpetually before the lord that they may keep it and not be rooted out. At- out. And he gave to Noah and his sons a sign that there should not again be a flood on the earth. He set his bow in the cloud for a sign of the eternal covenant, that there should be not again be a flood on the earth to destroy it all the days of the earth. For this reason it is ordained and written on the heavenly tablets that they should celebrate the feast of weeks in this month once a year to renew the covenant every year and this whole festival was celebrated in heaven from the days of creation till the days of noah 26 jubilees and five weeks of years and noah and his sons observed it for seven jubilees and one week of years till the day of noah's death and from the day of noah's death his sons did away with it until the days of abraham and they eat blood but Abraham observed it, and Isaac and Jacob and his children observed it up to thy days. And in thy days the children of Israel forgot it until ye celebrated anew on this mountain. And do thou command the children of Israel to observe this festival in all their generations for a commandment unto them? One day in the year in this month they shall celebrate the festival. For it is the Feast of Weeks and the Feast of first fruits. This feast is twofold and of... A double nature, according to what is written and engraven concerning it, celebrate it; for I have written in the book of the first law, in the, which I have written for thee, that thou should celebrate it in this season one day in the year, and I explain to thee its sacrifices that the children of Israel should remember and should celebrate it throughout their generations in this month, one day in every year. And on the new moon of the first month and on the new moon of the fourth month and on the new moon of the seventh month and on the new moon of the tenth month are the days of remembrance and the days of the seasons in the four divisions of the year. These are written and ordained as a testimony forever. And Noah ordained them for himself as feasts for the generations forever so that they have become thereby a memorial unto him. And on the new moon of the first month he was bidden to make for himself an ark. And on that day the earth became dry, and he opened the ark and saw the earth. And on the new moon of the fourth month the mouths of the depths of the abyss beneath were closed. And on the new moon of the seventh month all the mouths of the abysses of the earth were open, and the waters began to descend into them. And on the new moon of the tenth month The tops of the mountains were seen, and Noah was glad. And on this account he ordained them for himself as feasts for a memorial forever, and thus they are ordained. And they placed them on the heavenly tablets, each had thirteen weeks, and from one to another passed their memorial, from the first to the second, and from the second to the third, and from the third to the fourth, and all the days of the commandment will be two and fifty weeks of days, and these will make the entire year complete. Thus it is engraven and ordained on the heavenly tablets, and there is no neglecting this commandment for a single year, or from year to year. And the command, thou children of Israel, that they observe the years according to this reckoning, three hundred and sixty-four days, and these will constitute a complete year, not disturb its time feasts. For everything will fall out in them according to out any day nor disturb any feast but if they do neglect and do not observe them according to his commandment then they will disturb all their seasons Mm -hmm. and the years will be dislodged from their order and they will will disturb the seasons and the years will be dislodged and they will neglect their ordinances and all the children of israel will forget and will not find the path of the years and will forget the new moons and seasons and sabbaths and they will go wrong as to all the order of the years i know and from henceforth will i declare it unto thee and it is not of my own devising for the book lies written before me and on the heavenly tablets the divisions of the days is ordained lest they forget the feast of the covenant and walk according to the feast of the gentiles after their error and after their ignorance for there will be those who will assuredly make observations of the moon how it disturbs the seasons and comes in from year to year ten days too soon Mm. for this reason the years will come upon them when they will disturb the order and make an abominable day the day of testimony and an unclean day a feast day Mm. and they will confound all the days the holy with the unclean and the unclean day with the holy For they will go wrong as to the months and sabbaths and feasts and jubilees and for this reason i command and testify to thee that thou mayest testify to them for after thy death thy children will disturb them so that they will not make the year 364 days only and for this reason they will go wrong as to the new moons and the seasons and sabbaths and festivals and they will eat all kinds of blood with all kinds of flesh
2: Yeah, that was, I wish I could, I was trying to get the math part in what you're you're saying. But it is interesting, though, because, you know, he was saying, you know, we we know that the sun and moon and stars are there for times and for seasons. And he's saying, because, you you know, it's like, why did Judah have to go to uh, the Babylonian captivity? Well, because they didn't honor the, the land Sabbath. Like for, for like every, was it was every seven years, you're supposed to let the, the, the land itself rest. Right. And they didn't. So he said, for all the time you didn't do that, I'm booting you out of the land so the land can recuperate. So, you know, they, they were booted out for 70 years and then got to go back. Uh, so, you know, whenever he, he gives a judgment, you know, it, it has massive implications, not just for the right. person being judged, but like apparently for all of creation. So in what you're talking about there's like you know the moon's not even going to do what it's supposed to do anymore you know uh in the sun and it it was because of their disobedience so you know in in a one sense it kind of uh releases the pressure to figure out the calendar deal because like he screwed it up on purpose because of what we did you know not we you and i but like you know israel Mm -hmm. uh you know a long time ago And you know i've been saying it anyway regardless of that is that you know, for for 2730 years, the the northern kingdom that became the Gentiles, read the book of Hosea, uh, you know, they were dispersed into all the world. Uh, we've been off of God's page, you know. Mm-hmm. And so to think we're all going to just get it right, you know, in the last, you know, the real kind of, I I, I kind of pegged the beginning of the Ephraim awakening to about 2009, 2010, that time frame. Now, there's always been a remnant. There's always been people out there that have maintained the way of the apostles um, all along but there was clearly something happened in the 2009-2010 time frame and when we did the math out from uh, the 720 or 721 uh, B.C. 2730 years later well it takes you to, to the 2009-2010 time frame so you know th- when you just look at you know, I've got on my virtual house church website uh, w- one of those sort of like it's kind of like a friend finder thing where you have, like, all the little markers for people to log in uh, that are keeping Torah, and, oh, yeah. in this case. And there's, like, just blue dots everywhere, like all over the United <laughs> States and all over the world. Like, it's just this, this sea of blue dots of people sort of registering that, yep, you know, we're part of this thing. And, you know, that explosion of people just out of the blue with no leader, No organization, nothing, just people all over the world waking up one day and realizing their Bible doesn't start in Matthew. Galatians is not the only book in the Bible. Hey, let's start in Genesis. What do you know? We probably should still be doing this stuff, you know? People starting to keep the Sabbath, you know, uh, and looking into the feasts and stuff like that. All that really kicked off in about the 2009-2010 timeframe. And so, you know, we've only had, what, if we say 2010, we've only had 10 years to try to undo 2,730 years of being messed up. Yes. No, we're not going to get it all figured out. (laughs) Uh, All the more so if he actually intentionally made the sun and moon do things differently so that we couldn't get it right. It's almost like, you know, because God gives warnings. He said, listen, you know, you're doing it wrong. Come back to me. Come back to me. You know, stop whoring after these other gods. And finally he says, okay, fine. You know what? You want them more than me? have at it. Go for it. You know, I'm going to mm-hmm. I'm going to boot you out into the the other Elohim worlds, you know, the 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 realms that the uh the if you want to use Heiser's Divine Council idea, the other principalities and powers are running. Go for it. Go with them. And guess what? I'm not even going to allow you to get back on my page cuz you don't want, you know, you know, to to learn my ways. So Mhm. You know, uh, do do you think then that the sun and moon and stars are going to change their course back to perhaps what it was before that jubilee? Well, I
3: actually think that everything is still, uh, even though, you know, we have a 365-day whatever quarter, if that's actually correct, but that, you know, there used to be this 364-day year. Uh, But I actually think that, it will be a sign at the end Mm. when the, the stars and the moon do not maintain their course in heaven. And that will be one of the signs for us as to the end of days. But with regard to the calendar, yeah, it is. um, If it is true that, you know, we have this 365 day quarter, 365 and a quarter day year, which I think somebody should actually You know, monitor that and check it out, and and see for certainty because they lie about everything else. But (laughs) I do believe that um, even with this this passage here in in um, Jubilees, where it mentions how all the months begin on the new moons, and then you have the 364-day year, and then it talks about the ten days where the moon, um, you know, is different from the lunar calendar is different from the solar calendar and that intercalation uh, is spoken of in the Perk de Rabbi Eleazar and I shared that with you one time before. Um, I'll just read a small portion of it and then I'll explain what we were talking about in the book of Enoch. It says here in the Perk de Rabbi Eleazar on the 28th of Lulu the sun and the moon were created the number of years, months, day, nights, term season cycles and in intercalation were before the holy one blessed be he and he intercalated the years and afterwards he delivered the calculations to the first man in the garden of eden as it is said this is the calculation for the generations of adam the calculation of the world is therein for the generations of the children of adam adam handed on the tradition to enoch who was initiated in the principle of intercalation and he intercalated the year as it is said and enoch walked with god Enoch walked in the ways of the calculation concerning the world which God had delivered to Adam, and Enoch delivered the principle of intercalation to Noah, and he was initiated in the principle of intercalation, and he intercalated the years, and it goes on and on to, you know, all the different patriarchs up to Abraham and on and on, Um, but I'm going to go ahead and go to, because I know we'll quickly run out of time, that what what Enoch is describing here in these particular portions with all these numbers is how the intercalation works and so I'll read the explanation the moon's monthly cycle 29.531 days is shorter than that of the sun's uh, by 30 days as it cycles through the six gates of the heaven making the lunar year 12 months of alternating between 29 and 30 day periods which add up to a total of 6 times 29 and 6 times 30 which is 354 days and since it takes the sun 30 days each to course back and forth through the six gates of heaven the 12 months of the solar cycle add up to 12 times 30 360 days subtracting the 360 days which correlates to the sun's motion through these gates from the 354 days which correspond to the moon's motion through these gates equals the six days a year or 30 days over five years that Enoch cites as belonging only to the sun and stars which again in seventy three thirteen he says the moon brings on all the years exactly that their stations may come neither two forwards nor two backwards a single day but that the years may be changed with correct precision in 364 days in three years the days are 1092 and five years they are um 1820 i'll just uh, in eight years 2912 days if one divides the totals given for the amount of days that correspond to the length of these years the math in every instance equals 364 which is the total number of days in a solar year according to enoch's count so three years is 1092 days divided by three which is 364 days Five years, 1,820 days, divided by 5 equals 364 days. Eight years, 2,912 days, which divided by 8 equals 364 days. And so Enoch is speaking here about the difference between the solar year, according to the descriptions of the motions of the sun, and the lunar year will correspond to God's calendar, as determined by the synodic month and the four phases of the moon. Enoch 73:14, to the moon alone belong in three years 1062 days in five years it has 50 days less than the Sun for an additional being made to 1062 days in five years there are 1770 days in the days of the moon in eight years are 2832 days if one divides the total given for number of days by the length of the years in every instance the sum equals 354 When one divides 354 by 12 as the number of lunar months on God's calendar, one gets 29.5, which coincides approximately with the 29.530588 days of a synodic month. The ancient Hebrew calendar system maintains alignment with this average by alternating the 12 lunar months by 29 and 30 days and so 1,062 divided by 3 is 354 days, 1,070, seven, 1,770 divided by 5 is 354 days, 2,832 divided by 6 equals 354 days, 364 as total number for the days of the solar year minus the 354 as a total number of the days of the lunar year equals the 10 days, which multiplied by 5, equal the 50 days and 5 years that differentiate the lunar and the solar year according to Enoch's description. In Enoch 73.15, for its days in 8 years are less than those of the sun by 80 days, which 80 days are its diminution in 8 years, If one subtracts the number of days in a solar year, 364, from the number of days in a corresponding lunar year, 354, one will find that the lunar year has exactly 10 fewer days than the solar year. In eight years, that diminution totals 80 days. The year then becomes truly complete according to the station of the moon and the station of the sun, which rises in the different gates, which rise and set in them for 30 days. These are the leaders of the chiefs of the thousands, those which preside over all creation and over all the stars with the four days which are added and never separated from the place allotted them according to the complete calculation of the year. And these serve four days which are not calculated in the calculation of the year. It takes the sun 30 days to move back and forth through the six gates of heaven which are spread from the tropic of Cancer to the tropic of Capricorn. Six multiplied by 30 equals 180. Multiplied two for each of the six-month periods that takes the sun to travel from tropic to tropic equals 360 days. The four days which are added and never separated from the place allotted them represent the four additional days that it takes the sun to either cross the equator when reaching the two equinoxes, or having reached culmination at either of the two solstices to reverse course and begin moving in the opposing direction. Adding these four days to the 360, which define its travel back and forth through the gates of heaven, totals the 360 plus four days, equaling the 364 days. And so, you know, again, these days, uh, the 364 day and the 354 day lunar calendar are the two calendars that Enoch is describing. And it's important to understand how these two work together because um, as it says in the Targum, um, and the Lord said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heaven to distinguish between the day and the night, and let them be for signs and for festival times, and for the numbering by them the account of days, and for the sanctifying of the beginning of the months and the beginning of the years, the passing away of months and the passing away of years, the revolutions of the sun, the birth of the moon, and the revolvings of the season and as again as we saw in the book of jubilees where it's talking about the you know how the um the the months the new moon actually begin the days in the the first uh the fourth the seventh and the tenth i believe is what was mentioned and it describes that on these particular days did these particular events happen according to the jubilees and then it describes how this knowledge becoming lost the new moons and the festivals and the feast days everything would get screwed up mm-hmm. and so my opinion what happened is that the they took a f- off of the lunar solar cal- calendar and the way that they intercalate with the you know again enoch describing 354 days which the lunar calendar is 10 days short and so every third year or according to the metatonic cycle You just add this 13th month of Dar 2. But since we've been on a solar calendar and the Sabbaths are every seven days and nothing is, you know, the months are no longer determined by the new moon, the waxing crescent and the beginning of it, as it describes here in this particular book, that each one of the months mentioned begins with the new moon. And so you have to understand the way that the 354-day lunar calendar Comes together with the 364 day solar calendar and then the additional 30 days every third year or so, which you add depending on the barley, uh, the 13th month, the Adar 2 and then that puts the Barley Festival back in line with Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And if you understand the way these two cycles work, in my opinion, then you can truly determine what are the beginnings of the months, also the seasons according to the sun, but the feast days, which in my opinion, the, the 15th, the Unleavened Bread and uh, the Feast of Sukkot and Tishri, the month of Tishri, the seventh month, those are always in line with the full moon and the only way you can have that calendar be correctly in alignment and those feast days determined by that is by following the enochian lunar solar calendar Mm. as we've laid it out and um, as you know i sent you and um, and if people check that out like uh, as i said tonight is the the lunar conjunctive sabbath tomorrow is the kadesh for the month of ir all
2: right hold that thought we'll come back for the final segment
0: Extendivite is more than just a heart chronic. Do you have any of these symptoms? Night cramps in the hands and feet. Your arms and legs often go to sleep. On short walks, do your legs get aches and pains? Is your memory worse than it used to be? Ankles that swell late in the day? Has your blood pressure increased lately? If you answered yes to even one of these questions, you may have early warning signs of arterial blockages. Your body is saying that it is time to take Extendivite. These are not the normal signs of aging. They are the warning signs that accompany blocked arteries. Get your Extendivite today. Extendivite is available in capsule or liquid form for just $69.95 for a two-month supply. To get started, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with ExtendoVite. If you have hard water, the limescale not only leaves white spots, it clogs pipes and breaks down appliances, costing you hundreds of dollars in energy and wear. Eliminate limescale and other water issues like ground staining and bad odors with HydroCare water products available from Wave Home Solutions. Wave's affordable water systems don't use salts or chemicals. You'll love the way your water tastes, smells, and looks. Satisfaction guaranteed. For more information, go to bestwater123.com. That's bestwater123.com.
1: Hey everyone, it's Mark Sargent from Strange World. Broadcasting live every Tuesday evening, 10 to 12 Eastern, 7 to 9 Pacific, right here on Truth Frequency Radio. Strange World covers a wide range of topics, from enclosed world theory to lunar waves to the end of the world in film. It's basically doomsday with a silver lining. With the audience as my co-host, we take an optimistic approach to all things conspiracy and promote confidence, hope, and humor whenever possible. If there's a topic you want us to cover or a guest you would like to see interviewed, please email me at msgt23 at comcast.net. So please join me and tell your friends about Truth Frequency Radio, the leader in real radio programming bringing you quality, cutting-edge broadcasts from around the world. No hate, no hype,
0: no, no, no fear. We are Team Frequency Radio.
2: We're back on the Revolutionary Radio Project. I'm your host Rob Skiba for the final half-hour segment of the broadcast. Wow, this is just flying by, mm-hmm. as usual. I'm joined with Zen Garcia, and then the previous segment. Wow, Zen, you were covering a lot of territory. Were you reading? Was what were you reading from? Was that one of your books that you were reading from earlier?
3: Yes, it is the Flat Earth Has Key to Decrypt Book of because mm-hmm. in that book I go through all of the 14 chapters of the book on the courses of the heavenly luminaries and break down every chapter and every verse so i have uh, all of those verses listed from the book of enoch and then my explanation of what they actually mean in my opinion according to you know what i learned of this particular calendar and how they work together the the sun and the moon to determine and also it describes the planets and the constellations as part of this uh, the greater calendar that is encoded into the skies into the heavens.
2: It really is extraordinary. Uh, I, I mean I think it I I think it sounds a lot more complicated probably than it really is. Um yeah, you know, I, I, I agree. I mean reading through this and even listening to you read on that, you know, at some point my eyes start to glaze over and I'm going, okay, I got to see it. Like it's got to be like I need a picture. You know, yeah. Somebody help mm-hmm. me out here. Give me a picture. You know, it's like a picture's worth a thousand words. Somebody give me a picture. Um, right,
3: and there are many um, pictures in the in the book to kind of help people to to get a visual grasp. Because I know a lot of people, like yourself, um, need that to see that to get better understanding on the greater context of what's being revealed. And so, yeah, I do. And I think what you brought up on Stellarium, it It shows the same thing—the way that the 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 moon falls behind the the sun fifty minutes every day, and that's what creates its one-seventh portion of light. The differentiation between the days and how it will cycle from where it's moving with the sun in lunar conjunctive phase, as it is tonight, and which means you can't see it Mm. because it's you know with the sun, and then once it. Um, that 50 minutes tomorrow, uh, where it's lagging behind, we'll actually see the Waxing Crescent, which will establish the Kadesh for the beginning of the next calendar month.
2: So how much have you looked into the, I mean, that's kind of a stupid question for me to even ask you, but the Dead Sea Scrolls and what What do you think they were, you know, the Qumran community? What I mean, people talk about the Zadok calendar. Do you think they were... Mm-hmm was a Zadok Enoch calendar or or were the Zadoks keeping the Enoch calendar or what what do you think was going on in the Qumran community
3: well they were keeping a portion of the Enochian calendar Uh, here's the thing that people fail to understand the the real Enoch calendar um, follows both the sun the 364 day solar year and the moon, the 354 day lunar year, and it also follows the revolutions of the planets and the revelations of the constellation, which I told you the greater year is that 25,920 year cycle that it takes the, the sun to move through the 12 houses of the zodiac, that's the greater year. Um, but it tracks and monitors that as well, uh, because again, that's the way that it is encoded into the heavens. that you know Enoch describes uh, the motions of all the luminaries and so what the priestly calendar in the Qumran and the Zadok calendar was specific to was the 364 day solar calendar however that determination that's not the calendar that they followed to determine the Levitical feast days that's just the calendar they followed to determine what priest and what you know what priests would serve in that month of what was the division of the solar year. Mm-hmm. And, and they determined, um, because you'll see a lot of times how they tried to keep track of the way that the solar calendar aligned with the lunar calendar. And the way that they were trying to do that was because they were trying to stay true to what it says in, in, uh, in Jubilees chapter six, that all of the months begin with the new moon. And the sighting of the new moon, which is the waxing crescent, and then the sabbaths following the new moon are determined by the quarterly phases of the moon. And mm-hmm. so you have the first quarter being the first sabbath, the full moon being the second sabbath, the third quarter moon being the third sabbath, and the lunar conjunctive moon being the fourth sabbath. And then it, you know, it changes every um, every month is determined by the new moon and then again when you have these 30 days um in three years where the moon falls short because of the 354 day lunar calendar you have to add the 13th month of a dark which is really simple all you do is add a 13th month when the barley is not ripe and, and you know and then it um it situates the two calendars back together again but the people that are studying the dead sea scrolls and that are believing you know that the Jews or the Essenes and that they were actually following the 364 day solar calendar well yes they were for determining who would serve as the priests for the Levitical bloodline because they had 12 different priests that served according to which month of the year it was but that's again not how they determine the feast days the feast days and the months are determined and also the weeks, they're determined by the moon. The new moon is always, and Enoch tells us, you know, when we get to that portion of the scripture, it tells us that the waxing crescent, when the moon first becomes visible, that is the beginning of the months. And just as it says, and, you know, again, in Jubilees, that all of the months that Noah did all of these things and that, uh, you know, the events of the the deluge happened, they occurred on the new moon of the beginning of those months. And so they show you that it is the new moon which determines the beginnings of those months, even though, yes, it is mentioned the 364-day solar year, but there's also the 354-day lunar year mentioned, and you have to understand how those two work together. Otherwise, that's where the confusion occurs, uh, because the people that want to follow a 364-day solar year where, you know, uh, the vernal equinox is the beginning of the year, and then they have Sabbath every seven days, that's not according to um, what is the phases of the moon, because again, in my opinion, the phases of the moon is what um, establishes the beginning of the month, and also the quarterly phases, and I sent you a passage from Uh, the legends of the jews where this is also affirmed it says um along with the first they received the calendar in use among the jews for the passover feast is to be celebrated on the 15th day of the month of nisan and with this month the year is to begin but the computations for the calendar are so involved that moses could not understand them until god showed him the movements of the moon plainly and and then you skip a little bit, and it tells you that also the determination of the new moon was the subject of special divine teaching. And then it tells us that um, Michael and Gabriel's witnesses, he addressed searching questions to the angels as to how the new moon had seemed to them. Then the Lord addressed Moses and Aaron, saying, Thus shall my children proclaimed the new moon on the testimony of two witnesses and through the president of the court. And so it was established in ancient Israel that by two witnesses, they would watch for the appearance of the waxing crescent. And then the shofars would be blown. And then the new moon um, festival was celebrated at the temple. And everybody would run there for what was called the new moon convocation. And that was the day that no man knoweth, you know, the hour of the day. And so the reason they didn't know is because everybody was in limbo as to when the waxing crescent was going to make its appearance. And then when it did, that was the beginning of the new moon and what was called Kadesh, the new moon day, the time of the new moon.
2: You mentioned something. And I just want to bring it up because i only got about 15 minutes left of the show and I wanted to get your take on it real quick. Yeah. Uh, you were mentioning the uh, the sun going through the various houses of the so-called zodiac or the Maseroth and mm-hmm. that taking twenty-five thousand plus years. Now yes. that that supposedly is what, uh, like the Mayan Aztec calendar stone and all that was supposed to, you know, uh, address things like that. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, biblically speaking, of course, whether we're talking about the Mesoretic text with the uh, you know four thousand years to Yeshua with us being at about six thousand years or we go with the Septuagint, where we're at about seven thousand years right now what is your take with the if he did in fact set it up for a twenty five thousand year cycle then and we've said it before that if we're going to get a reset you know it's not unreasonable to believe that we're in a reset do you think that that whole system was is meant to continue from the day of creation Starting with Adam, or is it it because the sun, moon, and stars didn't show up until day four? So that would make lead me to believe that if there's some sort of twenty-five thousand year cycle of any kind, that it would start with Genesis forward, Genesis day mm-hmm. four forward, not mm-hmm. not be indicative or reflective of anything from a prior, uh, you know, before the the reset that we're in now. So right. so then would it be your understanding or take or opinion that? Because we don't get much after the millennial reign of Christ. In in the book of Revelation, we get, you know, tribulation, New Jerusalem, millennial reign, Satan's out for a little bit, judged, and then what? Big question mark. Right. Do you think that that question mark will encompass whatever he's trying to say in the the Bible and the stars, so to speak, for 25,000 years? Or or have you given much thought of that at all?
3: Um, Well, I think that God established this greater cycle for some reason and it does say that after the millennial reign and during the millennial reign in Isaiah chapter 66 that we will celebrate from Kadesh to Kadesh and then Sabbath to Sabbath which in my opinion again is a uh, linking the new moon and the Rosh Kadesh with the deter- determination of Sabbath and so there seems to be some ongoing celebration and honoring. And I would think that it would be a continuation of the way that God had established the calendar. Um, you know, again, I I would be interested to see if, if, if we really are on a 365 day in a quarter year, or if there, if it's still 364 days, um, somebody, you know, smarter than me would have to figure that out. But, um, I'm interested in finding that out but I do believe that without a doubt we are still going to honor the movements of the um, but again nobody knows for certain but I do believe that because there is the mention of Kadesh to Kadesh and Sabbath to Sabbath that there has to be a moon and maybe you know it's a reset of the same calendar system that God has established into the heavens with the the zodiac the mazrath but who really knows i mean that's up to god he could like mm-hmm. totally change it out and or speed know, it up real quick <laughs> yeah and and right now it tells a story of the coming of the messiah mm-hmm. you know the 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 fight between the the two bloodlines the gemini twins and how it would be resolved that the um oh wow Christ,
2: i never thought about that the gemini yeah, twins yeah it,
3: it tells yeah it tells the story of the the two bloodlines the war between the bloodlines and how the hmm. the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent and so that's the story of the Maseroth. and we know that christ born of the virgin that he would be that seed of the woman as prophesied in genesis 3:15, and that it would be him that crushes the head of the serpent which this was fulfilled all the day that he was crucified because um some uh, 1600 years earlier or however long uh you know uh, david had killed goliath and buried his skull there in mm-hmm. golgotha which means goliath of yeah. gath uh, calvary the hill of the skull and so when he was crucified the, he was actually crushing the head of the serpent the seed of the serpent as it was nipping at his heel and so this prophecy found in genesis 3:15. Was fulfilled on the day of the crucifixion, and so. But you know, again, the Masorah tells the story of this entire bloodline war, in my opinion, and the same thing, uh, the prophecy of Genesis three fifteen. So, yeah, so,
2: uh, uh, do you, are you aware of whether whether or not Joseph Cys or Bullinger addressed Gemini that way?
3: No, I don't, I don't believe so. Um, yeah, but I don't know for certain. Uh, it would be interesting because, you know, the more and more I do look back in ancient— it has to be more ancient scholars because this mm-hmm. was common knowledge back then. Uh, but it has since in modern times and with translation of the scriptures from the Aramaic into the Greek and, and then into the English and, you know, the Latin and all that— uh, that all of this knowledge has become lost, but it's still encoded there. I mean, you see, mm-hmm. once you understand, uh, without a doubt, I mean, you know, Christ even saying that, you know, the the murderers of the prophets were from Abel to Zacharias, um, you know, he's linking them, the Pharisees, that are conspiring his murder with the murder of Abel, who was Cain. And so, you know, without a doubt, the terrors... The, the tares are the children of the enemy. The enemy is the the devil, the wicked one. Um, I mean, all of that is there encoded into the Scripture. And once you understand it and you unlock it that way, it makes sense as to why even the patriarchs and the prophets kept such a, a, a detailed listing of the genealogies of Christ and of the other people that were born all through the, the generations. And you see... You know, I've spoken about there's genealogy lists uh, for Mary in the Book of the Bee and the Cave of the Treasures. And like the Book of Luke, uh, Cain is excluded from those bloodlines and those genealogies, as are his children. And so, you know, there's a reason for all of that. And when people, you know, open themselves to the possibility of the things that I'm saying— then all of these things really start to make sense in a deeper and more profound way, in my opinion.
2: Well, I'm beginning to share your opinion on that. Um, I, I, it's got me curious now to go look into uh, uh, Gospel of the Stars, Joseph Seiss, and The Witness mm, of the Stars, yeah. and E.W. Bullinger just to see what because they do a, what a, they say. a pretty solid yeah. breakdown of each of the constellations what they represent in the, in the Gospel message in the, in the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, I had posted some things recently on my Facebook page about you know, uh, Enoch, you know, Adam didn't have a Bible. Enoch didn't have a Bible. Methuselah didn't right. have a Bible. You know, all these guys didn't have a Bible. Yet somehow they got by, you know. And in exactly fact, they, they got by even better than everybody that does have a Bible. I mean, the, right. you look at the relationships that these guys had with the author. Uh, but somebody said, well, they did have a Bible. It was in, w- written in the stars. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know, touche. You got me on that yes. one. Because that's true. Yes. That, you know, they didn't have a Absolutely. Bible in the sense like we do. Right. but they did have a, a unique and solid understanding of the gospel in the stars and, and that it was laid out and it is so fascinating that you know cultures from all over the world are calling certain constellations the same thing you know in, exactly, in, in yes. their language right. um, And you know frankly, other than Orion Orion's about the only one that actually looks like to me the description. <laughs> you know, right, right. yeah. I mean, you see the belt and you kind of see the shoulder and like the club yeah. and you kind of like, Oh yeah, I can see a dude up there. You know, uh-huh. it's like, you know, when people stare at the clouds and they see, you know, you know, animals right. or whatever, you know, what the ancients saw, you know, when, and they see a lot more, they saw a lot more stars than we do.
3: Oh uh, yeah. Cause
2: down. with all the, you know, pollution and, and light pollution right. and everything else that we have to deal with, we see a fraction of the night sky that, that they would have seen. Uh, and yet, they, I mean, with all those zillions of stars, they look up there and they're like, oh yeah, that's a lion and that's a virgin and that's the twins over there. And, you know, I'm like, how did you get that unless God told you that? like, Exactly. So exactly. it had to have been a shared knowledge right. that was passed down from the time of Abraham uh, or going back Adam. to Adam even, yeah, yes. Adam and, and mm-hmm. certainly Enoch. Right. F- uh, f- for the whole world to have, yeah, there's some variants, but for the most part, they're they're pointing to the same location in the sky and saying essentially the same thing as far as what it represents. Yes. So yes. Uh, for the audience that's not aware of that, um, those two <laughs> books are, are fascinating books. It's uh, The Gospel in the Stars by Joseph Seiss and um, Witness of the Stars by E.W. uh both of which I believe were written in the late 1800s, if memory serves. Um, there's another book uh, that I've only recently begun to kind of skimmed through uh, it's more recent uh called wheel of the stars by uh, andrew gabriel roth have you ever heard of that
3: yeah i actually have that book um the only thing you know is he is um global yeah and, and yeah so it makes it difficult for me to to <laughs> yeah. read stuff like that you know that's interesting
2: I... too because uh, we know uh bollinger well, he was a card-carrying hardcore flat earther. Right, right. Uh, I don't know what world worldview was. Um, I'm not aware of any anything. I don't. I mean, it's one of those you have to go back and reread it and see what his take was. Uh, it would be fascinating to, to if he was also uh, oh, yeah. of the mindset, because you know, I believe both books came out, you know, pretty close to each other. Right. In in time.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um always interesting me to me to to go back and to see you know other people that were led to the revelation of truth and that stood um, by it and that wrote about it and shared information on it and um, and I do enjoy reading a lot of what they have to say, uh, but I do find it difficult for me to now read you know anybody that supports a <laughs> yeah. heliocentric point of view and they're talking about all these wonders in the heavens and stars and it's completely fabricated like the you know the cosmology that they believe in and so knowing different and better it's it's difficult for me to read what I know is not in alignment with truth yeah Um, but yeah there's still a lot of good information out there Um, and we were once lost as well Well,
2: yeah totally when I look back you know now even just a few years ago. How did, what in the world, how did I ever, you know, because, you know, I I always, you know, Facebook tells you, hey, this time, you know, a few years ago, whatever, you posted this on the same (laughs) day. And it's funny because it's always reminding me, you know, of what I was doing like five years ago when I was first getting into (laughs) all this stuff. And and just rethinking the stuff, you know, the whole concept of light years. And uh, like, you know, the North Star, (laughs) Is supposedly something like three hundred and twenty-five light years away. I am like, okay, that's uh-huh. three hundred and twenty-five times six trillion. So, I mean, the, the idea that we even could see the North Star is absurd. Right. But when you start right. looking at the, because I posted some videos, you know, there is some really <laughs> creative videos that you know, you know, as an artist, I am going, oh, yeah, yeah, that's really good. You know, CG and uh-huh. everything. It's really you know right. well done. But you know, th- th- you see these videos, you know, uh, talking about scale and order of magnitude and whatnot you know start and, and this guy did a really creative job of, of showing like down to the Planck scale you know going up to the quark and into the atomic scale and then all the way up to the web of universes you know uh uh-huh. and and just showing all the scales but when you get to like the scale of the the planets to the earth and then the, the sun to the earth and then you know, like Betelgeuse and Arcturus, you know. Uh-huh. And, and the order of magnitude, how much bigger like Arcturus is than our own sun and how much yes. bigger still Betelgeuse and some of these other ones are. And you're like, okay, wait a minute, man. I mean, Isaiah, Yeshua himself, the creator of all of this, uh, and John, said that all the stars are falling here. Yes, so not yes. only do you have a massive problem, pardon the pun, <laughs> with the size of these things coming here, but the distances. You know, I'm like, right. you know, forget about the, the you know, seven-year tribulation. I mean, it's going <laughs> to take 325 years for for the North Star to get here, traveling at 186,282 miles per second.
3: Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah.
2: never mind how long it's going to take for Andromeda to get here and how all that stuff's going to fit on the earth, you know. Yeah, I mean you just have to say, Okay, one is completely absurd and has to be thrown out. Which one's it gonna yes, be? Well right. you know, if you claim to be a Bible believing Christian, I'm sorry, I I am not calling Isaiah Yeshua the creator of the cosmos himself and John uh, the liars.
3: Right. It, right
2: it's gonna be the people that are telling me, yeah, Arcturus is this big and North Star is three hundred and twenty five light years away.
3: Right. And the book of Enoch tells us that the sun and the moon are of the same, same size. size and dimension. Yeah. Yeah. So what does that say?
2: You know, I uh, we got two minutes left on the broadcast, but I, I wanted yeah. to uh, kind of address that real quick. Uh, maybe we can talk about it later as we yeah. continue through these uh, chapters. But, you know, they right. are th- stated to be the same size, and yet you have with, uh, oh, I just forgot the name of it, but the, it's a um, a certain type of uh, solar eclipse where um, the moon is smaller. Like usually the moon perfectly fits over the disk of the sun. Mm-hmm. But there, there are times in, in, the, in the the big tetrads everybody was talking about a few years ago, there's a, a repeat of that uh, coming up uh, about ten years or so. Right. Um, and And one of those is going to have that solar eclipse where the the moon is smaller than the orb of the or the disk of the sun. And so it looks like a ring in the sky how would that happen if they're the wow. same size
3: right yeah hmm. yeah the you know again i think that some of this can be explained with what enoch describes as the lesser moon and rahu and ketu and some of that other stuff in the um the vedic cosmology and and there are things in this solar well not solar system but universe <laughs> right yeah that are not explainable you know uh, and the biblical cosmology that we're still learning about, but certainly they are described in the ancient sources and the ancient accounts.
2: Yeah, oh, uh, you know, these days I have far more questions than I have answers. So, right, I always enjoy right. doing shows like this. We're out of time. Hey, Zen, thanks so much. We'll that was let, a good time, brother. Yeah, we'll do. Uh, we'll pick up where we left off uh, next week on your channel uh, on TFR, which is Thursday. At
3: eight.
2: Nine to eleven. Uh, Eastern. Nine, nine Eastern. <laughs> yeah. Eight central.
3: All right. Yeah. God bless all. Good, Good night, night, everybody. Hello.
1: Hello.